Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Joining me for the Texans postgame show is my co-host, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, this one wasn't pretty, but it's a Thursday night game, and you got to give the Texans credit for pulling out what I think is really their most important win of the season with a short rest and an embarrassing performance on Sunday. But but this is it. This is this was the signature win of the season for them, you know, as far as winning the AFC South and and possibly getting into the playoffs. Yeah, at least at the moment, I guess we're saying that about every game now, just because it's getting later and later in the season. But yeah, when it comes to playing a game on Sunday and then such a short turnaround and playing a game on Thursday, it's a good thing that they don't grade wins on beauty contests because most teams just don't play well. I mean, you, you have three days basically from the time of the previous game till the time of the next day, uh, next game. And I'll tell you what, Robert, it's a good thing that the Texans now have a week and a half off because even though it was a win, it was a physically brutal win. You know, we had Dylan Cole going down with that calf injury, had several others uh, getting shaken up, limping off the field. They did return. Carlos Watkins, I think, was shaken up, Bernard McKinney and a few others. So it was was a win, but uh, boy, they, they certainly paid the price physically. It's one of the more physical games I think we've seen the Texans play all year long. No doubt about it. I, I totally agree with that. And the only thing uglier than Thursday night football to watch the actual game itself is to watch the uniforms, the ugly onesie blues <laughs> that the Texans wore this time, or it's the ugly ketchup bottle, red, you know, whatever the onesie uniforms that teams are wearing from Thursday night to Thursday night. I just, I, I can't take that, but we'll get to the game and Deshaun Watson uh, a comeback performance after the week performance on Sunday, 19 of 30, 298 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But we can get into him in a second. This is about Will Fuller. Seven catches, 140 yards. What a difference it it makes to have a healthy Will Fuller. Just two fantastic catches on those big chunk plays and two perfect throws by Deshaun. Got to give him credit for those. And then uh, Fuller's presence, it was the difference because you get big chunk plays with Fuller while the Colts couldn't get chunk plays with their group. And then the dichotomy between Kiki Cutie providing zero and Will Fuller basically coming in and taking that spot more or less, changing the size of the field. It was apparent, Stephen, that this is a big difference when Will Fuller's on the field. Well, it's amazing how much difference one player can make other than a quarterback. But honestly, that's why you've just got to keep your fingers crossed every single game that Will Fuller can stay healthy. Because when he's in there, he makes a difference, not only with just with his own physical pass-catching abilities, but, you know, it's it's almost impossible to double-team two guys, him and DeAndre Hopkins. So the fact that you had Will Fuller back in there and he was making some big plays, I mean, he, he was burning the Colts on several of those long touchdown passes. Well, what that does is it opens up more opportunities for DeAndre Hopkins. And as you see, he caught two touchdown passes, DeAndre Hopkins did. So the fact that you have Will Fuller back in the game, not only does it open it up for a, a weapon for Deshaun to go to, but it opens things up to uh, have DeAndre Hopkins have some opportunities to make some big plays, which he did make. So that's why it is so frustrating that Will Fuller just, you know, he goes back in there for a little bit and then he gets injured again. Thankfully, in this game, he did not. But you just got to keep your fingers crossed every week 
that he can stay in there because he really does make a difference. I guess I need a hashtag on Twitter. Just start getting it going. Prayers up for Will Fuller's hamstring. Just do that from week to week, yeah. every every Sunday morning. <laughs> like, prayers up, prayers up. I mean, he grabbed his hamstring at one point after uh, one of those huge catches, and you're like, oh, no, here we go again. But he stayed on the field, and, and not only that, uh, he was making some really great catch. I mean, everybody talks about the speed and all, but the hands, the hands that were so... Like they were so scrutinized coming out of college. I mean, just he's become a really great. I mean, he, he might have one bad game. There was maybe a bad game earlier this year where he dropped a couple of passes. Um, I think that was against the Chargers. But overall, the last couple of years, you know, not just on the long passes, but uh, even on short passes, he made some good catches and big situations for first downs. I mean, Will Fuller, uh, we can talk about everybody else in this game, but I think it starts and ends with him. I think it does. And I, honestly, I, I think this is why you're seeing the difference between someone like Will Fuller and someone like Kiki QT, who was back on the bench again on the game Thursday night. Will Fuller, obviously, and, and when rightfully so, when he came out and uh, his first year in the league, he was dropping more passes than he should have. But he obviously has worked on his game and has gotten to the point where he's overcome that for the most part. Someone like Kiki QT still trying to figure it out. So there's your difference. I mean, you, as I said before, all the speed in the world is great, but you've got to have the hands to catch the ball and you've got to know where to be. And Will Fuller just, you know, he knows where to be when Deshaun Watson delivers the ball. On the other end, the Texans did two things that they've never done. And I'm talking about defensively. They beat Jacoby Brissett finally, and they held T.Y. Hilton in check. Three catches. 18 yards. Uh, yeah, there was a couple of catches that m maybe he should have made, but also nice plays on the defensive end. J. Joe made a big play on third down to knock a pass away from T.Y. Hilton. Vernon Hargraves, who I want to get to later, uh, with a nice breakup on a pass play. But uh, one key to keep in mind, Stephen, I was listening to Frank Reich on the post game, and he said he could only give T.Y. 30 snaps in the game on orders from their medical staff. So, he wasn't out there as much as he might usually be. And maybe he's not the same guy, you know, with the hamstring right now. Well, and that's kind of what I thought, too, is I, I noticed that he wasn't playing as much or he wasn't getting as much action because normally Brissett or whomever's quarterbacking the Colts would be going to him much more often. So that really was the first thing that crossed my mind because he has had some injury problems. It was questionable earlier in the week if he would even play. I kind of figured he would because it was against the Texans. If he could go, he was going to go. But it was obvious that he was not at full health. And, you know, the other thing, Robert, is you would have thought that with Marlon Mack out that the running game would suffer for the Colts, but uh, it actually didn't. I mean, the, the Texans won despite the running game, the successful running game that Jonathan Williams and Hines had for the Colts. They were able to overcome that ultimately. But, yeah, the fact that they stopped T.Y. Hilton and they finally beat Jacoby Brissett, there's another monkey off their back that they got to do on Thursday night, too. Do you remember what Zach Pascal did in that first meeting against the Texans? Yeah, I think he – yeah, that's right. It wasn't good. Six catches, it 106 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he did a lot of damage. Do you know how many catches he had last night? I didn't count any. Did he? he had zero, didn't he? Yeah, big zero. I mean, Eric Ebron, he had some catches, and he's burned the Texans a few times. But, uh, yeah, Pascal, zero catches. DeAndre Hopkins, we just kind of skate by it. Uh, you know, I, as much as I talked about Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, just, oh my goodness, two touchdowns, just made, you know, one great play after another, whether it was 
toe tapping on the sideline, the touchdown catch. I thought as soon as Deshaun threw that ball and I, I saw the receiver and I couldn't read the number of who was, you know, he was trying to throw the ball to on that late touchdown. And and then I realized, oh, that's DeAndre. Oh, okay. He's got it. No, yeah. no problem. <laughs> well, it's funny because we, we've just become so used to him making these tiptoe catches or these one-handed catches. It's almost like, oh, yeah, I figured, should have figured it was Hopkins. And he just, you know, the thing is he makes it look so effortless. That that That's what amazes me about it. The hands on that on that touchdown catch. I mean, I thought every other guy that makes that play might, you know, he might drop the ball when he hits the ground. You know, he's sliding in the end zone. And, you know, I'm still not sure I'm waiting, but I'm like, eh, it's DeAndre. He, he'll probably come up with it. And, 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 and they threw up a great number in the broadcast. Watson and Hopkins have hooked up for 24 TDs, which is tied for the best quarterback to wide receiver tandem since Deshaun Watson entered the league. Uh, Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown also have 24, but I mean, those two guys watching them operate and the plays that they make. Uh, I mean, th- there was a couple of things that could have happened bad in this game. Uh, Steven, I mean, they avoid a couple of catastrophes because Deandre Carter, the other Deandre fumbles a punt return. The Texans recovered that. And of course, Deshaun with that fumble, when he was trying to run out the clock, sometimes, Deshaun gets a little bit careless with the ball, but he managed to recover, or at least the referee said so. <laughs> yeah, that was a big question. I, I kind of wondered because, you know, the Colts were contending that they had the ball, you know, after they, he'd gotten up with the ball, but, you know, the officials gave it to the Texans. That was a big break. We talk about Will Fuller being back in. Small thing, but Deshaun Gibson was back in the lineup and, and he was helpful. Uh, we saw Jordan Thomas back out on the field. Uh, that's the first time we've seen him this year. Uh, still no Bradley Roby. You know, who knows when he's going to be back. But I mentioned Vernon Hargraves earlier. He played a ton of snaps, Stephen. And this is a guy that is really huge for the Texans to get him basically for nothing. And he made some plays in this game. I mean, looking through the defensive possessions, he makes a big tackle on Ebron to end the second drive of the game for the Colts. And there was other plays that he made throughout where I was just like, well, that, that's that's that play against uh, T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I think he tipped that pass, didn't he? Yeah, he got a fingertip on it. So, I mean, Vernon Hargraves picking up him and picking up Gary and Conley, who I didn't hear mentioned a whole lot, which was a good thing. <laughs> that was a good thing. Yeah. yeah, it certainly was. And as far as Hargraves, you know, at, from the outset, the Texans' first defensive series, they were playing the nickel, and uh, he was playing that entire series. So you kind of thought, okay, they're going to give Hargraves a real shot tonight. And they did, and he certainly came through. Robert, isn't it funny how you and I were so concerned about the fact that if Bradley Roby didn't play, that T.Y. Hilton may go off on the Texans once again, and just with all the injuries in the secondary – But, uh, boy, everybody stepped up and uh, contributed, not just to holding down T.Y. Hilton, but just making the stops when they had to. When they had those three consecutive possessions, the Colts did, where they scored points. But then the Texans defense came through and and didn't allow any more points and made some really great stops, including that fourth down stop. So what a great effort by the, the Texans defense when it had to come through. Jacob Martin with a a big sack that ended the first drive of the game, his first sack as a Texan. If you forgot, he was the guy that the Texans got in the Jadavian Clowney deal. And also we can 
pretty much say that Gary and Conley is part of that deal. But Jacob Martin, you know, he's shown little flashes. Like you watch him on the on the pass rush, and at one point I saw them double teaming Jacob Martin, and he's got a little bit of speed, and there's the desire, and it, it feels like uh, he he's trying to make something happen. I mean, you know, there's no JJ Watt on this on this squad, obviously, but. Uh, at least Jacob Martin kind of showed you something. And this may be somebody that could develop, you know, I don't know. He's it was a six round pick, I believe, you know, second year player, but m- maybe they can develop something with Jacob Martin. I mean, that, that was a, a good sign also for the Texans defense. And, you know, also you got to throw in Brennan Scarlett's name because on that fourth and seven late in the game, who makes the big tackle on Jacoby Brissett when he's trying to run for that first down, just, just barely gets Jacoby Brissett to the ground a uh, big play by Brennan Scarlett, and and he's somebody that uh, they needed to step up in this game, and he had a couple of nice tackles. Yeah, I almost thought that uh, Brissett was going to make that first down, that the Texans were kind of caught flat-footed on it, but he stopped him just short. And, yeah, it's obvious that the Texans missed J.J. Watt as far as the pass rush. They were getting some pressure on Brissett throughout the game, but uh, Martin Sack was the only one of the game. So uh, he, he had the only sack of the game of the Texans' defense, so... You know, if you can just get a little bit out of him and, you know, and, and, and some of the others. DJ Reader played a great game. He stuffed the run on a couple of plays. And uh, I believe Zach Cunningham, he he definitely had some, some a whole lot of tackles. Yeah, so, yeah, he had a career 16. high 16. Yeah, 16 tackles yep. for him, 13 solo. Lots of tackles. Uh, you know, there, there was a couple of them that I thought impact tackles, but there was a lot of tackling down the field for the Texans. But, you know, Cunningham is a guy that, he, you know, we talk about Deshaun. We start thinking about an extension for him. Well, Cunningham was the second-round pick in, in that class. So, you know, you're going to have to start looking at re-signing Zach Cunningham too. But Bernardrick McKinney, you know, it, it says on this on the sheet, oh, well, he got 11 tackles, six solo. But Bernardrick McKinney to me didn't look good. I mean, he, he seemed like he was out of place at times. There was one play where I saw him looking to the side. He was looking at somebody, and the play starts, and he's – all out of whack and and they get five yards and he's uh, not able to make the play. Not, not really where he should, should have been on that play, but it was just, it was overall. I mean, I saw the, the 13 yard touchdown by Jonathan Williams and McKinney did a terrible job of uh, trying to bring him to the ground. Jonathan Williams breaks that tackle and McKinney, he just didn't, he didn't make enough of an impact against a team like the Colts that is, is you're going to you're going to be going up against a, a good running game but you need that those second level guys to get the job done because you know their offensive line is going to crush your your first level I mean reader fought really hard but a lot of that guys just it's a mismatch yeah it is and I guess one of the the troubling things we can point to as far as the running game goes or, or stopping the run with the Texans defense is concerned is that two of the touchdowns that the Colts scored one of them they it was a seven play drive all seven plays were runs and then the other 10 out of the 11 plays in that drive were runs. So, you know, clearly the the Texans have started to have trouble, and this is where you, you – and you've mentioned this before. This is where Jadeby and Clowney would have really been valuable in stopping the run because the last few games the Texans just haven't been as good at stopping the run. And Whitney Merciless seems to have slowed down too in the last few games. I think he was he was another one that kind of got shaken up during the game too. But, uh, yeah, with, with him and McKinney, if, they, if those two could step up their game a bit – you know, especially against the run and and get some more of a pass rush, then uh, the the Texans are going to need all that, certainly, 
when they face the Patriots. They're, they're going to have to play their best game of the year against those guys. I, I thought I heard you say Whitney Merciless. Uh, he's still active. Is he still on the roster? I, I just I haven't noticed much. Yeah, I had to look twice. <laughs> well, I, I do know because he was, like I said, he was one of the ones that came off the field. He got shaken up during the game too. But he, he has definitely – you haven't been hearing his name nearly as much as you did the first three or four games of the season. Yeah, it's 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 not been good. I mean, I just I, – I barely noticed that he was on the field uh, the last – couple of games really i mean i just you know i noticed when he gets hurt and then they gotta come he's got to come off the field and he's yucking it up with jj watt on the sideline as the the tv camera showed it but i just i'm like where what's he doing where where is he and we're back to just basically whitney merciless is a you know a very 2b type player in other words if you know jj was a 1a and maybe Jadavian Clowney was a 1b kind of guy i think whitney's like not even 2a i think he's like to be he's down the list of guys uh that make a make an impact I and mean, he needs those other guys basically he's got to work off of the fact that somebody else is going to draw a double team and maybe every now and then he could beat a single team yeah consistency has been his problem and it begs the question you know are are the texans do they want to re-sign him at this point you know you thought at the beginning of the season oh they got to wrap him up because of the way he was playing with all those fumble recoveries and sacks but if if consistency is the issue you know, you, you need a Whitney Merciless from start to finish, the beginning of the season to the end. So that that's definitely a big concern and certainly one that the Texans are going to have to address at some point. I want to get your thoughts on the offensive line because Deshaun, I believe he was only sacked once, the one time, right? Correct. And and that was in the third quarter. And I felt like it was there was a three-man rush. He, he felt a false pressure, I thought, kind of this fake. And he does that. He gets the happy feet sometimes. Then he tried to run. And basically, once he tried to run, he set up a guy that wasn't going to get to him to get to him. I mean, that happens every now and then with Deshaun. I, I wish that would improve a little bit. I mean, the accuracy, the athleticism, and he's gotten smarter and he's getting rid of the ball a little bit quicker. But there are just those moments that, that bug me. I mean, you know, you, the first drive, they, they pick up two first downs and they punt. It, it looked like Deshaun had Fells and Jordan Thomas open, but... It was one of those ones where he just kind of panicked in the pocket a little bit. That's the stuff that uh, he still needs to work on. Yeah, he does. I, I think overall the, the line did pretty good as far as pass protection. I know Titus Howard, he had a couple of penalties that, you know, they, fortunately didn't come back to, to bite the Texans too much. But Deshaun had the time to throw. But I, I And I know there was one play where instead of taking the sack, he actually threw the ball away. He did something smart on that play. Um, so I, I think I'm wondering if a lot of the happy feet issues are just coming from the past experience where he hasn't had the time to throw and maybe he's still seeing, you know, ghosts from his Christmas past or something. <laughs> yeah, he does seem to tend to do that. The the biggest concern, Robert, and I know the, the running game still had some flashes, but it it just seems to me that lately the offensive line hasn't been as good at the run blocking as they were at the beginning of the season. You know, Carlos Hyde, he, he had a couple of really good runs. But overall, you know, the, the running game has been a bit more inconsistent the last few games. Yeah, definitely. And Titus, you know, he has the holding penalty on the on the first play from scrimmage, which I'm sure Bill O'Brien, uh, his heart rate jumped about a few hundred beats there. And then, and then the false start on the second drive. Uh, it's just going to be a learning curve for Titus. There, there was one or two other times where I thought his pass blocking was a little bit uh, faulty the, the the sack it was a little bit of, of him but he's a rookie and I still felt like overall you know he was 
doing a, a nice job. Let me ask you about Bill O'Brien because I want to get your thoughts. Like, what what did you think about him going for it on fourth down instead of kicking that fifty-two yard field goal? Yeah, that was interesting. I I mean, I I didn't really have a problem with the call, but you know, again, there's there's going to be one during the game. It just seems like every week I I was wondering which um, <laughs> which play you were going to point to for for Bill O'Brien, but. I, I really didn't see anything other than that really glaring about his play calling, uh, mismanaging timeouts, or things of that nature. I was okay with him going for it on fourth down. And I mean, look, Kaimi Fairbairn has to hit a ball off the upright to, to make it go through on a 30, what, six yard kick? Yeah, he just barely made that. I thought he was going to miss it there for a moment. So, you know, when it's a 52 yarder, I, I, you know, he could go either way, really. So I, I, that's why I didn't really question it too much. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of start starting to miss Nick Novak. Uh, it's, it's, it's bad. Where's Chris Brown when he was consistent? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, so just yeah, the weird knuckleball kickoff. The Colts got past the 25 yard line. I, I doubt that was a plan deal, I, and that was after he had almost missed the the kick. And then if you look at the rest of the special teams, though, uh, they played pretty well. Uh, Taiwan Jones downs the punt at the one. Nice job, but a better punt by. Anger, who we've been critical of recently, 57-yard punt and puts it about perfectly inside the five-yard line. And, and then Taiwan Jones barely keeps his back foot out of the end zone and, and puts him down at the one-yard line. So the special teams outside of Fairbairn. And then, of course, uh, DeAndre Carter made it a little bit interesting when he fumbled that uh, punt return, but he also had a nice punt return too. Just need him to hold on to the ball because he's not going to make the spectacular play. Yeah, and that would add so much more to the Texans game if they could just get a, a punt return specialist, you know, that, that could really show some flashes and do some things. But yeah, that's the thing is that you just pray he holds on to the ball. And getting back to that play uh, with the ball down at the one yard line, you know, the previous play, there were offsetting penalties and A.J. Moore made a great special teams tackle to pin the Colts yeah. deep inside their territory. And then, of course, the offsetting penalties, and they punt it again. So really back-to-back great plays where, you know, on the second play, it was even better because the ball was down at the one-yard line. So, yeah, I'd say overall the, the special teams probably played one of their best games of the season by far. Was there anything else that Bill O'Brien did that you were – Kind of sh- scratching your head. Was there any other the typical Bill Bill O'Brien? No, I, that's the thing. I I was it was funny. I was sit, thinking that after the game last night, I said, you know, I wonder what Robert and I are going to have to talk about with Bill O'Brien because nothing really jumped out at me. I mean, it was it was a, a pretty well called game. I think for the most part, uh, there there weren't any bonehead head scratching decisions that I can think of. Uh, unless you can come up with something, I can't think of anything. I, I didn't want him to call a timeout after the Deshaun Watson fumble, not a fumble or whatever it was at the end of the game. Because he calls a timeout, and I'm like, yeah, I think we got away with it. Why are you calling him timeout? Make him like uh, reconsider or you know something bad could happen. So th- yeah, that was the, that's the only other thing I can think of. Yeah, perhaps. And I know that and I think at the end of the game when they called timeout, I think they were, what they were wanting to do is just set up a play where they could just run out the clock with the last five seconds, I believe that was, that was left on the clock. But yeah, that's the thing is that you're calling the timeouts when you give them time to maybe challenge something like that, but it didn't happen. Thank goodness. You mentioned Dylan Cole much earlier in the injury and it, you know, he limps off in the second quarter with a calf injury, but I'm watching the play and it looked like he got shot in the leg. He goes down on the kickoff return untouched. And you know, it just, it didn't look good. We don't know what the scenario is right now, but 
you know, Dylan Cole is, you know, I, I thought he had started to gain a little bit of momentum, but just the injury bug just keeps getting that guy. I mean, him and Will Fuller, you just, you know, God, can, can we get these guys for maybe at least one full season at some point? Because uh, they really help the team a lot. Yeah, well, the good news is that the Texans have about a week and a half to heal up some of those. And the fact that he, he was able to at least leave the field without being carted off, you know, that that's always a good thing when you can at least see them get up and uh, be helped off. But so that the good thing is that now the Texans at least have a little time to maybe rest some of these injuries. Perhaps Roby can be back. And yes, we just, again, we just got to keep our fingers crossed that some of these guys like Fuller can just stay in there because boy, are the Texans really going to need him against the Patriots? Yeah. Lonnie Johnson. I, I just uh, thought he was going to be out for a while. So when, when you find out that, oh, well, maybe he could even play this game, which I, I never really thought that was going to happen. But I'm like, even the fact that they were not even, you know, calling this a season-ending injury after he got carted off the field, I'm like, well, maybe there's hope for Dylan Cole because, you know, that looked pretty bad too. But we'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, people might be finding out as they're hearing this or a little bit uh, before they hear it. But also, uh, one thing I was looking at, uh, Stephen, was the Texans are they're only sixth in point differential in the AFC. So they're seven and four. They're leading the AFC South. Uh, that looks good, but you know, they're only sixth in point differential and they've played more games than a lot of teams now. Well, they certainly have. Yeah. I would have thought that'd be higher too. When you said sixth. I thought, wow, I, I would have thought they'd been in the top three just with, with all the nail biters they've had. Uh, and you certainly think that or you hope anyway, that the Patriots game, if the Texans, if, if you at least keep it close and then maybe something big can happen that they can beat them at the end. But uh, I'm certainly hoping for a good game and a Texans win against the Patriots because, uh, boy, that's another monkey they need to get off their back. People keep telling me that Tom Brady has slipped and he's not the same guy and, and all this kind of thing. And I'm like, uh, yeah, let let me know. Let me know uh, at the end of the year when the playoffs have, have been played. And, you know, I, I just don't. I don't have a lot of faith in this this coming game, not just because it's the Patriots and Brady and Belichick, but with without a pass rush, if you're giving Tom Brady all day to to look for guys, and they got Isaiah Wynn back, so maybe that's going to help them a little bit on their offensive line. But I mean, it's just like you know, how, how can you give Tom Brady as much time as you give Jacoby Brissett and some of some of these other Lamar Jackson, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, just you, you can't do it. No, yeah, you're absolutely right, and uh, even with the gritty way that the Texans have played. That's not going to be enough to beat a team like the Patriots. Yeah, you can say all you want about Tom Brady, but they still only have one loss. They're still the Patriots. And, you know, with the, with the defense not playing quite as well against the run, you know, so and, and with no pass rush. Yeah, the, the Texans are going to have to play better than they have played the entire season, even with all the wins they've had, if they even hope to beat the Patriots. It, I don't know if this really makes a difference. But I'll take anything I can get. The fact that they're playing him at home this year for a change, that makes me feel a little bit better anyway. A lot of word uh, coming from the people that were at the game, as well as just kind of watching it on TV, just kind of the, the ear test is the crowd was not exactly electric. They weren't exactly in, in seats. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did notice that, that, that there were some parts of the game where the crowd got really loud, like when the Texans defense on third down or something looking for a stop but you know when when the offense was on the field or I'm sorry when the yeah when the 
Colts offense was on the field for the most part, it didn't seem that deafening to me. I, I'm sure that Brissett could probably very easily hear with, or, you know, be able to hear with the signals and so forth. So, yeah, I didn't feel like the crowd was as electric. It it didn't have that playoff atmosphere or that primetime atmosphere, I guess is a better way to put it, that you would think they'd have on Thursday night. That did strike me during the game. There were only a few instances where I thought the crowd was really loud. You know, it's interesting because, you know, it's a Thursday night game and you go, well, that's kind of a not a, a usual night, but still it's a it's a prime, you're on prime time. The Texans biggest game of the season, I thought. <laughs> I mean, it, it, all the makings were there. And I mean, it, and, oh, the, the, the weather was perfect, too. Weather was perfect in Houston. I mean, everything was set up to where the crowd should have been really electric. Well, let's put it this way. If they're not electric on uh, the Sunday night against the Patriots, then we really have something to talk about. I mean, if you can't get up for a primetime Sunday night game at home against Tom Brady and the Patriots, uh, you and I will really have something to talk about on the postgame podcast. Oh, and I do have some positive Astros news, Robert, that I can actually tie into the Texans game. I, I hear that Justin Verlander and Kate Upton took in the game on Thursday night. They hung out with J.J. Watt before the game. And I guess Justin... Uh, went into the locker room and hung out with Deshaun, even got a, a jersey from Deshaun after the game. So there's my positive Astros news for the week. We even able to tie it in with the Texans. As far as the Astros, we'll take any positive news we can get right now, can't we? Did he borrow any video cameras from the Texans? Well, yeah, he might have You know, asked some of their employees to uh, lend them something, or maybe he should talk to the Patriots about how to do that because – you know, they've been known to do that a time or two. Yeah, I, I, I kind of I'm starting to think that maybe it's uh, it's time for Jim Crane to have surveillance camera night where, you know, instead of giving out the championship rings, he gives everybody in an outfield seat a, a surveillance camera. Uh, is, yeah, is that, that works. That is works. that coming up? <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. How did we how did we work that into the Texans postgame podcast? I guess I walked right into that, huh? Yeah, I was, I've, been, <laughs> I've been saving that one. It's, it's, uh, I, I knew if I put it out there on Twitter, Astros Twitter would would get all frisky on me. So I haven't I haven't thrown it up there yet. But look, it's a, this game is the game of, of the three game stretch here. We said it before they played them. It's the game you had to had to win. They got the job done. They played a physical game against a physical team. That was a playoff type game as far as physicality, like you said earlier. And you just, you, you, you have to at least give these guys credit. Everybody trashes Bill O'Brien for this and that and the other thing. But he had his guys ready on short rest, coming back from a big loss uh, a really devastating loss against the, the Ravens, against one of the better teams, against a physical team, but they were able to turn around and get it done and get it done in a big situation under the spotlight. And Deshaun Watson, he came through when you needed him to. He made the big plays when he had to in this game. And so the Texans, you know, give them credit for this one, please. Let's let's everybody kind of trashes them every time they get a chance. It seems like that there's always the poking the holes at the Texans. And I get it, and I'm I'm one of those people as well. But when they do it right, you got to say, hey, they they got the job done. They did it right, and they did it without JJ, and they did it with you know some key injuries and their starting cornerback, and they were still able to shut down Ty Hilton. And I mean, everything that was going against them in this game, and and they and they got it done. That's absolutely right, and I still don't believe that the Texans are an elite team who can go deep into the playoffs at this point, but. When they get it right, they get it right. And and one of the positive things 
about a short turnaround like this is, is it makes it easier to forget a game like the Ravens as far as the players are concerned. They can start focusing on the Colts a lot sooner. And let's face it, Robert, this, as you said, this is a game they had to win. And I think the players knew that, that they had to win this game because it would really put them in the eight ball if they had not beaten the Colts because they would have lost both games to them. They would have lost the tiebreaker if they had somehow managed to tie for the division lead at the end of the season. So there were a lot of reasons that the Texans needed to win this game, and they did what they had to do. And now they have to look forward to the Patriots. And this is a game that, you know, a lot of us aren't expecting them to win. So if they don't, they don't. But, boy, wouldn't it be great if they could? Well, just a reminder, uh, we're going to talk a little Cougars. Got a couple of really good guests talking about Cougars football and basketball in a couple of days. So keep an eye out for that one. The final score, Texans 20, Colts 17. The Texans move to 7-4. and four. They have a one-game lead in the AFC South, but it's a big one game, and it was a huge win. Uh, great win for the Texans. We'll talk to you soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Attack!